The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. All right, welcome in to the Punt and Pass podcast. We are live at Sweetwater Brewery in Atlanta, Georgia. It is National Championship Weekend, and first off, to everybody here, thank you so much. We have some special guests in the house. Claire, I think it's your birthday. Claire, where are you at? Hey. Uh, Chandler Catanzaro, the Jets kicker, the New York Jets kicker is in the back. Yes, Atlanta socialite, Rob Vaca. He is here as well. Cousin Austin Butler, everybody's here, dude. It's great to be here. It's National Championship Weekend. Aaron, first off, how are you, brother? No, I'm doing good. It's finally at the weekend's here. Yes. No more work. My boss gave me Monday off. He you said, work? I'll see you Tuesday. I'm not, you not do too not much. Work. You nah, do not every work. now and then I'll show up to the office, but I prefer hanging out with you. That's my biggest thing. Yes, yeah, so thankfully, Sweetwater has allowed us to come crash their party again. It is National Championship Weekend. We did this on SEC Championship Weekend. We had high hopes that Georgia would take care of business, and they've done just that. we got a special episode today. We're talking about a bunch of really cool stuff. If you're here right now, check back tomorrow or tonight because Danny Cannell jumped on the podcast with us. Danny Cannell, Fox Sports 1, Sirius XM. Um, noted SEC hater, noted mm. SEC troll. So we had a really good conversation with him, and he's really good. Uh, you can check him out, at Danny Cannell on Twitter. We are at Punt and Pass. Everybody, if you're here, you obviously saw us on social media say we'd be here. He's at Aaron Murray 11. I'm at Drew Butler 13. And where we're standing is at Sweetwater Brew. Also, we're having the Punt and Pass podcast bowl pick going on. We did this. We had a little fun with it. The top three are going to win a prize. We don't know what the prize is yet. How did you do in the pick uh, Not good. I, I was right there I with you. I was not good at all, but our oh. top three right now, Brad Burrs, if you're here, you're in first place alone. You're in the 99th percentile. You're crushing it. And then these other people are tied for second place. Austin Itson, Pierce Plucker, Judson Kelly, and my best friend, a lawyer in Little Rock, Arkansas, Tony Morelli, is tied for second place right nice. now. So if he wins, he'll get a handshake and a pat on the back. He will not take anybody's prize. But it's National Championship Weekend. Atlanta is going to shine. We were downtown earlier. Downtown looks amazing. If you haven't been down there yet, Centennial Olympic Park is on fire. Kendrick Lamar was doing a sound check earlier, but... The weather on Monday is looking pretty dicey. Has yeah, anybody it, seen the forecast? It's not looking good right now. Icy rain all day. So if, if you want to check out downtown, I suggest going there tomorrow or Sunday, seeing all of it. I think they have the activities going on all over the place. Like you said, all these concerts, I think there's one Saturday, there's one Sunday. 
Monday's going to be a little gloomy besides in the dome and the yeah. dogs take it. So that's about the only positive going on. No that doubt. Day. I got an email from our power company this morning, and, and they said, like, they're preparing Monday to be the worst. So they've already said, like, ice, get ready for it. I'm not trying to downplay what's going to go down, but it'll be a lot of fun. But the reason we're here, Aaron, is because the national championship is Monday night. It's number, and I was going to ask you this. Are they still doing, and Road Dog Adam Gillespie's here helping us out on a remote. Adam, you might know the answer to this. Are they still doing the rankings? Like, when they show the game, is it going to be number four Alabama versus number three Georgia? Or are they just throwing it out and it's just a national championship? You know what? I'm going to say it anyway. I think it's just a national championship. Looking at everywhere I look, it's just Georgia versus Alabama. Obviously, Georgia's the hiring team. Exactly. So that's we why saw it. They're it. wearing the red jerseys. Yes. They're going to be on the home sideline. Yes. So. I guess it's one versus two at this point. I'm going to say four versus three. Okay, or you maybe, say four you know versus what? three. I'll just say Georgia's one and This is the best two four. teams in the country. You have to rank them one and two. Exactly. At the end of the day, these are number one and number two. They're here for a reason. No doubt, no doubt. So Alabama is playing Georgia Monday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It is the college football playoff national championship game presented by AT&T. We're going to get into this later in a pod. The line is Alabama three and a half, I saw today, and the over-under is 44 and a half. You like one specific part on that, and you will talk about that later on. But one of the debates that comes up in the interview with Danny Cannell, and let's you and I hash out a difference that we both have, is the playoff, okay? We're in SEC country, right? Atlanta, Georgia is what I've been reading the epicenter of college football, and now it's Alabama and Georgia playing for it all, okay? Obviously, if the Big Ten wanted to do something about that, then Ohio State should have not lost to Iowa by 31 points. If the ACC wanted to do something about that, shout out Chandler Catanzaro, they should have beaten Alabama. Exactly. If the Big 12 wanted to do something about it. They should have been in Georgia, man. Yeah, they had their don't chance. Don't absolutely blow the second half of the Rose Bowl, and you could have beaten Georgia and been here. But it is what it is. It's the SEC versus the SEC, which now brings up the debate, the format. Okay, I heard CBS Sports president say he thinks it will turn into an eight-team playoff before this contract runs out. I think there's five more years on this contract. What do you like? Do you like the current format? Would you like to see it go to eight teams? Would you like to see it go to 12 teams? Well, I heard it was interesting. The 12 teams, the talk is going to 12 maybe, getting rid of the conference championships, just saying we're going to do away with it. We're going to pick a couple teams from each conference. We're going to start playoff time as soon as the, school, the season's over with. Get right rolling. I don't like that. I don't like the eight teams. I love I really enjoy this format. Okay. I think it brings a lot of excitement, a lot of fun to college football. I think for the past three months, I, I know you and I have been talking about it every time we jump on the podcast. I know every game I cover this year for CBS Sports, whether I'm covering a game, I'm in studio, we're talking about the playoffs. Yeah. It started three months ago. If there was eight teams, if there's 12 teams, there would be no discussion until when the playoffs began, maybe a week or two in advance. So I think it brings a lot of excitement to college football. I think everyone's really juiced about who's getting in, who's not getting in. And then if you're going to go to the format of even six teams, say you, you get the power five, you get one team from each, and then you bring in, say, a UCF, yeah. a smaller, smaller conference that's maybe 11-1, 12-0. All of a sudden, maybe you get a conference winner who's, say, 9-3. They win their conference, so by that format, they're automatically in. So, so you put a team that's not as good in there just because they won their conference, and then you lose the ability for a conference like SEC where okay. they have three really, really good teams in Auburn, or Georgia, Alabama, to be able to put multiple teams in there. So I think it just takes away from it. I think it makes it less competitive to get in. I think it, it's going to be hard to win a national championship. 
it shouldn't be easy to get into this into this playoff system, into the championship game. I think they have it right right now, and obviously, it's working. It, it makes it exciting and. Hey, I say keep it. Don't, okay, don't, don't so it, if it, it was eight teams, right? And a lot of people say if you went to eight teams, it would be the Power Five conference champions in three wild cards. So let's talk about the Power Five. Okay, this year it was Clemson. Yep. This was Georgia. It was Ohio State. It was USC, and it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Those are your five. Your next three would be probably Auburn. Then it would be UCF. Yes. You would hope, but they yes. were ranked 12th. Yep. Don't forget that. They were ranked maybe 12th Wisconsin. at the end of the season. And maybe Wisconsin. And maybe Wisconsin. That would be fun. Okay, if UCF were to get in at an 8th seed, would it be bad for college football if Clemson hosted USC in Death Valley? Right? So it would be a home game, but it would be the college football playoffs. And you got it, UCF it, trying to say. I don't think the game would mean anything. You saw it. You saw it last year, and you saw it this year. UC came in, and they got blown out. I, I don't want non-competitive games that don't mean anything. Well, what I, don't, and I, don't want, I don't want people traveling for no reason or not traveling. You turn on the TV and, and half the stands are filled. But what if you went to a – okay, let's just say you went to 12 teams and you threw the conference championship out and it almost went back to like the BCS format. Top 12 get in, six teams on each side. Maybe, the, maybe there's a bye week, almost like the NFL if, playoffs. If you're going to do that, I wouldn't, give, I wouldn't do a bye week. I would almost make it where the, the top seeds get to play on campus at their home stadium. I like that. That way you're not traveling all over the place. That would people, be very cool. People I aren't going to travel, but it, it, say if you do a 12-team format and you're saying, hey, Georgia gets the first round at home, Alabama gets the first round at home, or Oklahoma, I think that would be a little bit more exciting. I think it, it means more, too. Yeah. To, so teams are actually going to work harder in order to be in that top four, I mean, top what, six. What if it just happened, though, and, and I'm just obviously defending my point, what if USC, the Trojans, had to come to Athens in the first round of a playoff game? You're telling me that's bad for college football? No, I think that would be awesome. Well, of course it would be I, awesome. If, if you're going to do it, I would do it like that. But then you get away from not having an SEC championship yeah. game. The SEC prides itself on this big SEC championship game the first week of December. They love it. They, they love the, the, the conference games in Indianapolis and all over the country. Teams and, and conferences take pride in that. So if you're going to get rid of that, it just that throws that for a whole loop to it. At the end of the day, nothing's going to be perfect. I agree. Someone's always going to be mad. If you go with a 16 playoff, you're going to an 18 playoff, there's always going to be problems arising. Like I said, if you want to go with six teams and, and take a winner from each conference, all of a sudden you have an Alabama who's like, well, we have one loss this year, and this team from another conference has three losses, but they're going in because they won in a very weak conference. So there's always going to be dilemma. There's always going to be problems. People are always going to be complaining, but... People are still talking about it, yeah. and that's all ESPN wants. You got to think who's running the show right now. Of course, ESPN is but running the show. They want people tuning in. They want people listening. They want people paying to hear this kind of stuff. You can't tell me ESPN's happy with an Alabama Georgia national championship game. I mean, you have I, people are going to tune in. People are going to tune in. Three fourths of the nation, and I, they're expecting ratings to be down again. It's crazy to think, but last year, the instant classic that was Clemson beating Alabama last play of the game. Those ratings were actually down from the year before in all on all their simulcasts. By the way, Aaron will be on an ESPN simulcast. I'm not sure what channel yet, but you'll be on the sideline, correct? Yes, I'll be on the sideline. Very cool. Very cool. Everybody will obviously tune in because they always do, regardless of where you're at or what game you're doing, but you're doing the big one. Doing the big one. That's very cool. So last year, 26 million people tuned in, and they're saying that since Alabama and Georgia have polarized the nation, right, because it's just a small pocket of the United States that's being represented, they're expecting it to be less than that 26 million people 
tuning in. I I don't necessarily know. I mean, let's think about one thing right now. Listen, the entire you, country's it, frozen, so people are bunkered in looking for something to watch. First of all, they're going to watch it. They're going to get plenty of viewers. But at the end of the day, even if you expand the playoffs, who says it's not going to happen at the end of the day as well? We may get to this point where you're still having two SEC teams Of course. Teams if you play, go to 8 and 12, that's don't a certain know. possibility. You don't know. You're, it may even increase the possibility if you get two or three teams in a certain conference in there. Yeah. Say if you go to 12, maybe you have a, a Georgia, Alabama, and an Auburn in there. Then all of a sudden, that just jacks up even more. You have a 25% chance that those guys are going to be in there. So I know I started perfect. I know Nothing's I started this perfect. out by arguing an 8 or a 12-team playoff. Um, I, I don't mind the 14-team playoff, especially since Georgia's in. Okay, I don't mind that. At all. I do like the exclusivity. I mean, this is football, yes. right? If you want to be in, take care of business. If you're UCF, then schedule somebody else then. Who was their first game of the year that you called? I mean, FIU. FIU. I, I mean, you, we, could, you. we could get 11 people in this room right now and compete with FIU. Let's be yeah, real. Yeah, I think my sister who's in the room could throw the football farther than the quarterback for FIU. <laughs> I, mean, I was there. I watched it. It was not very good. So they played USF. I think a very good football team. They beat USF. They played Memphis a couple times. They beat Memphis twice. Who? Memphis, they're pretty Where's good. Where's that? Team. I don't know. Golly. I don't know SEC school, that's for sure. Okay, but. but my point is this, all right? If you go to eight-team playoff, guess who's going to be mad? Nine, 10, and 11. If you go to a 12-team playoff, guess who's going to be mad? 13, 14, 15. And It'll be, never be, be right. Too. It will never nope. be right. But we'll see. Listen, I NFL, wonder NFL, if this situation is going to force their hand. Let, the NFL knows it's, it is an honor to be in the playoffs. I don't care if you're Major League Baseball, you're hockey, you're the NFL. They don't have 12 teams in there. I know there's 100 and whatever, 19 teams. The NFL in college does football. have 12 teams, six each side, but that's okay. No, never mind. Uh, whatever. That's okay. Two get a bye, right? They do. Two get a bye. Two get a so bye. your top two, and then top it's two wild cards. Ten. Four division champs, two wild cards. Okay. That's what does exactly baseball what get? I was thinking baseball. Baseball, I think they get five. Right? Is that right? Anybody here know? I think there's three divisions in baseball, two wild cards. I gotta, I'm getting go. some head nods in the back. You probably don't we know. We got some baseball fans yes. back there. We he says he knows. That. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I wonder if this situation, Alabama versus Georgia, is going to force the hand of the committee and the entire situation to make a change. That remains to be seen. It just depends how it, depends. it goes. It, it's not an easy gig. These guys are – it's a tough task. They have to face the ability to pick who's the best team versus, say, this year we had the dilemma of, of obviously Alabama and Ohio State. Who gets in? Do you put Ohio State in who won their conference, or do you put Alabama in who, who didn't win their conference? But – my, at the end of the day, my, my opinion on this, and we talked about before, if you put Ohio State and you put Alabama on the same football field, which I'm sure the committee went over, who would you pick to win that football yeah. game? Yeah, it's I about heard, putting the, the best four teams in. I heard the SEC commissioner this morning. He was on the radio in Atlanta, and he was talking about all that goes into these committee meetings. And Danny Cannell, who you'll hear later on in the podcast, had a lot to say about this. He said it'll be, never be right because there's so many personalities in that room with bias, with egos, forcing what they think is right. And he said you can never call it right because it's a bunch of opinions trying to be made correct. And, and this guy from the SEC commissioner, excuse me, he was saying they take into account injuries. They take into account strength of schedule. They take into account how teams played, you know, the week after they played Alabama in a tough football game. If they looked sloppy the week after, they're going to say, well, you got to catch them a break. They played in their morning. I mean, it's out of control. I think that aspect of it is it's got to get neutralized about, in the room. It's about money, though. That's why they're yes, going to all is. these scenarios right now. What is going to be the most entertaining game for these fans to watch? What are we going to get to do? What do we need to do in order to get people to tune into these games 
to buy plane tickets to go to these places to jack up prices for this national championship game to it's going to cost like two thousand bucks just I to know. get in the door. So I know. that's going through their mind too. What can we do revenue wise to make ESPN happy, to make all these schools happy, to make the college football playoffs look really really good? So. Like you said, that's why it's the best team, and, and they're considering the injuries. Yep. They're considering what you're doing. What have you done for me lately? Like, you go to Clemson. They lost to Syracuse. That's, not, that's an awful loss. Yeah. Kelly Bryant got hurt. It was a Friday hurt. night. Yep. Your quarterback got hurt, and it was in the middle of the season. Yeah. It, it's what have you done lately, and they had a great, great end of the season. They won their conference, and that's why they're in. All right, so bowl season's wrapping up. Monday will be the end of the bowl season, the postseason in college football. National champion will be crowned, and, of course, we're going to get the important question, the all-important question. Who's the best conference in college football in 2017? All you heard about uh, after Christmas during New Year was the Big Ten kicking butt. I mean, just it was ridiculous, right? I mean, the Big 12 looked – or the Pac-12 looked awful, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. The SEC looked – awful as a whole but they do end up having two teams in the national championship auburn loses to ucf mississippi state loses or they beat louisville Louisville. who's the best conference in college football at the end of the season i think i know what you're gonna say and i would guess that you know what i'm gonna say as well you have to go the sec obviously it's it's tough to when you look at these bowl games because it's not always fair you have Maybe the fifth or sixth best, say, SEC team going yeah. against uh, the number one or number two team from, say, the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the Big 12. So, at the end of the day, who's in, who's in the championship? And that's why I got to say, you have two teams playing the most important game of the season right now. So, all this other record, and you got to throw, there there have been, definitely been some other SEC wins. South Carolina had a good win. LSU should have won. Yeah. The, one, the Notre Dame, the guy just made an unbelievable one-headed catch. That was wild. Stiffed arm a couple of dudes and ran in for a touchdown. So that's unfortunately lost. I think the biggest thing that hurts the SEC is obviously the Auburn loss. And I, and I was completely torn. I've been to a couple of Auburn games or USC, UCF games yes. this year. Really love what they're doing down there in Orlando. But I was like, man, do I root for UCF because I really love them. I love Coach Frost. I think he's probably one of the best coaches in the country. He's going to be a top-five coach in the next two or three years. But it just looks really bad when you have an Auburn team who, who's at one point the number one team in the country, probably one of the best teams in, considered the best team in the SEC, a favorite to win the conference, and you lose to UCF. And who knows their motivation if they were really playing extremely hard for that game, if they were kind of saving like, hey, we don't want to get hurt, we don't want to push it, we want, we want to, we're, we're more worried about getting drafted. That makes plenty of sense this to me. This bowl game yeah. really doesn't really matter too, too much, but that was a little embarrassing to the conference. But like I alluded to, you have the number one and number two team in the country now playing for a national championship. So does the top-heavy nature of the, the SEC top heavy nature, help it or hurt it? I think it helps it because okay. they're representing the team in, like I said, the most important game. So, And I still think it's a great league. You have great competition. Well, you're, left. What I have here is teams four through 14 were, were not, not good great, at all. Not great. Not good at all. I mean, but I don't know if I'd say not what, good at all. What but conference, I, is, I, that's what what conference can you allude to that's a – one through top six to or one through yeah. eight, top through bottom are equal. It, it's not there. Every conference has your top-heavy team. Look, I love college football, but I don't know if I could ever argue like Indiana versus Vanderbilt. You know, I'm just not going to do that. No, I, I, I I'd rather I'd, I'd rather go mow the lawn or something, and I don't even have a lawn. So, um, yeah, geez. What about the coaching turnover, though, in the SEC? So many coaches got fired this year. There's a lot of question marks east and west. I mean, is Jimbo Fisher going to work out at A&M? Is Dan Mullen, your boy, going to work just, out at Florida? I just want to let you know. Please. Your boy, John Gruden. I know you oh really want God. him to jump in the college can football. I, can I go on a rant real quick? 
Yeah, he's getting paid, man. Hundred million dollars for ten years. Woo. John Gruden was a five hundred coach in the NFL. He won a Super Bowl with another team's players. He hasn't hey, coached in ten years. You know who can say he's that? Getting a right hundred million dollars. Hey, what's your thought of everyone saying Kirby Smart's winning with Coach Rick's players? You want to talk about John Gruden? Winning that was with the Tony next Dur- year. It's been two years. I'm just saying. You're saying. To- well, you know what? It Tony remains Dungeons. to be seen. It he remains won. to be seen. John Gruden got fired by Tampa Bay. Don't forget that. You're a Tampa guy. I am a Tampa guy. Right? They got, I'm just he got saying, fired. You if Kirby that, Smart has sustained success, which it looks like because of his recruiting. But as of right now, whose players are these? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Don't make me look bad like that. Hey, you brought it up, man. Good point. You brought it up. Good point. Okay, the next But best he's not conference. going to Tennessee, so it's... That's very... Tennessee doesn't have $100 million to throw around like that's that. That's very true. So... That's very true. All right, who's the next best conference, and then we'll get on to the next thing. Who's the next best conference other than the SEC? Oh, man. It's not the Pac-12. The Pac-12 had some good teams, I thought, with, with USC, with, with Washington. Washington State had a strong beginning of the season. Washington, that might be a, a, a university that we hear a little bit more of in the next couple of weeks. Why is that? A certain number 10. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh. I think he's going to stay, though. I think Easton's going to No, there's no stay. chance Easton stays. I got to go Big Ten. I think, Big Ten. I think those guys, Penn State, Ohio State, and once again, top-heavy. Yeah. Very top-heavy, but uh, them are cl- the ACC, obviously. I think Clemson proved that they were one of the best teams in the country. Miami had a phenomenal year. Obviously, they just, just completely fell on their face at the end of the season. But I think Coach Rick is really building something special down there. I think he's going to turn that program around. He already has turned it around. I think he's going to do, continue doing a great job recruiting. He knows that area very well. And then I think Dabo at Clemson, he's doing what Alabama's doing and what Georgia's doing right now. He's getting the best of the best. He's doing it every year. They probably have the best facilities in all of college football. I, I mean, remember who was it? I think Shockley was go, He was there for – he was calling one of their games, doing some sideline reporting. He was doing a little doing like tour. the Instagram thing. Yeah, I saw that Instagram. as well. They got, bunk, they got little bunk beds for the guys to sleep in. They got a barber shop. They got a putt-putt course. I mean – Laser That's what kids tag. Love. Laser tag. I think Dabo's are great. So I think ACC, Big, Big Ten are right there. Uh, it, it all comes down to recruiting. These guys are doing a great job keeping up with the Alabamas and the Georgia of the world where they're not having to rebuild. It's just reload. We got four and five star guys that are just waiting. They're chopping at the bit to get in there and play. All right. Well, I definitely agree with you. My pick for next best conference other than the SEC, I – I just can't say Big Ten. I'm going to go with the ACC. You mentioned Clemson. You mentioned Miami. They had two teams with an opportunity to make it to the national championship or the college football playoff. So I'll go ACC. All right, let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about this Georgia-Alabama matchup on Monday night for the national championship. Do not get it confused. Georgia has not played for a national championship since 1982. And the last time Alabama played for a national championship, I think, was 82 days ago. I mean, these guys are in it every single year. But one of the storylines that's getting a lot of play right now is Kirby versus Saban, okay? Nick Saban, the teacher. Kirby Smart, the student. Nick Saban's 11-0 against his former assistants, Aaron. Nick Saban has beaten his former assistants by an average of 20-something points a game. I say that statistic is the most overplayed thing leading into this national championship for a couple reasons. One, because of the teams that he played and the coaches that he played against. This is no knock to the coaches, but we're talking Derek Dooley at Tennessee, Mm. Jim McElwain at Florida, Will Muschamp at Florida, 
Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. Are you kidding me? And then Jimbo Fisher this year. Jimbo Fisher this year. When their quarterback went down, and obviously you've seen the true identity of Florida State, they they lose a quarterback, and and all hell breaks loose down there. So he's yet to face the number two team in the country. Yes. Built the way Georgia's built. I completely agree. It's a different different game. It's a different scenario. So if it it was going to change at any point, if there was someone who's going to put a blemish on that 11-0 record, it's going to be Monday night. We'll see if Kirby has it, because yeah. I'll tell you what, Nick Saban, that team that played the other night versus Clemson was a completely different football team than I've seen play in the past month. They looked like they were out to prove something, which is a bit scary. They did lose Anthony Jennings, their stud linebacker. Uh, their defensive line, though, is just absolutely ridiculous. But you just said it. They've never had to play a number two team of the nation. They've never had to play, really, a team that looks and plays just like they do. I heard one person say today I that. I don't know about that. Well, who? Ever. I'm not a coach, but I'm talking about. I'm talking about Saban against his former assistants. Okay, yes. You know what I'm saying, though? Agree. Yes. With, never, with his former never, assistants, because this, this statistic is getting blown out and of the And I water. think the, way, the reason why Saban is so successful, he has a great, great schedule. He knows how to get his guys prepared through the week. It's it's from rest to practice to film watching to, to travel. He understands yeah. when the tra- kids can travel, when they set their curfew. I mean, the list is set for him. It's been proven it works, and Kirby knows it. Yeah, he's doing the Kirby's same thing. Kirby's seen it. He's been around this. He's been in the championship games. He's been in the playoffs with Alabama. He knows what it takes to win those games. He knows the, the demands on these players, which is key, especially this week. It, it, the, the media, the family. I can tell you what, for big games, I'm getting called from. Yeah, you're getting, it's almost I, like you're still playing. I, I'm, just, I'm getting aunts and uncles and friends, people <laughs> I haven't talked to in years. Hey, Aaron, give me tickets, give me tickets. These kids are going through the same thing, and, and, and Kirby knows it because he's been around it long enough. How to just block the distractions. I'm sure the first thing he did as soon as they got back is probably give the kids a day off Monday. Yeah. Get sleep, relax, come in and recover from 3 to 6. Get your butt in here, get in the ice bath, stretch, foam roll. Yeah. We're going to have people give you massages. Tuesday we're going to have a team meeting, and this is what it is. Tickets, you're going to figure out your ticket, ticket situation right now. Yes. Get it over with. Call your parents. Tell them, listen, hey, I got X amount of tickets. You're getting two. My sister and my brother are getting two. I got this many left. You guys deal with it. I'm not dealing with it anymore. That's it. He knows that it's a tough, tough week for these kids, especially coming from such an emotional win. Block out the noise. Yeah. Focus on this football game. So that's the reason why I think they will be prepared and ready to rock and roll. I I think that's exactly what's going on, and it would it, the, the track record would go to show that that is what's going on. And if you listen to the podcast yesterday, we had Coach Mike Bobo on with us, the head coach of the Colorado State Rams. He coached at Georgia with Kirby Smart. I think they might have played together. I mean, they're very, yep. very good friends. Very and good obviously, friends. Coach Bobo has coached against Nick Saban as an offensive coordinator, but most importantly, coached against him this past season when Colorado State played Alabama. And he had a couple interesting things to say. I think he was very candid when we mentioned the former assistant record to him. We said, hey, Coach Bobo, what do you think about Saban being 11-0 against his former assistants? And he said, it just means he's closer to losing. And I said, I totally agree. I also heard this, and tell me if you like this thought. Monday night's going to look like a spring game because it's like the ones versus the ones. These teams are built the exact same Wait, they're going to try to run the ball two times, play action pass. George is going to try to run the ball two times, play action pass. I mean, punt, punt, punt. I'm going to be extremely happy. It's a lot be, of punts. It's going to be a lot of punting, and, it's, and, and I've said it all week. What punter is going to have the best day? Yeah. What punter is going to be able to give me the Drew Butler end over end? Yes. 
put it down at the two yard line, okay. have, it, have it come back to about the six or eight. I, I, or if for you, let's it's, just it's leave about it at the two, two to the four or five. Two to the one. How do you? All right, please get tell, it as close as give you us, can. Give get everyone greedy. here and everyone listening yes. right now. How are you able to get it end over end? Put it at the they two don't want to hear you, that. It's like a nice little, nice little chip shot. It is like a nice little chip please, shot. Please tell me how it's you done. Drop it up and down like I'm holding this beer, and you kick it underneath like this, and it pours right into my mouth. That's how <laughs> you do it. That's how you kick. Nice. An Aussie drop kick. But going to your point against the punters, I think this game, since they're so evenly matched, as you and I have looked at it every single day, every offensive statistic, every defensive well, statistic, right they're, they're mirror by mirror. Points per game, Alabama 37.9, Georgia 36.3. Points allowed per game, Alabama 11, Georgia 13. I mean, identical football give. teams. It's going to be the kicking game, all right? And Here's, I love to talk about this. I, I love – that I'm actually jumping on board with you this week. I've brainwashed gonna, him. He has I've brainwashed, brainwashed me. He's a kicker fan now. It's I'm not awesome. a kicker fan. I just agree that this week it, it's going to be very important. I think it's important every week. It is important every I week. I think it's more. How can when you, you tell when me you this? play offense? The worst thing you want to do, the, the last thing you want to do, is have to drive 90 yards, yeah. 80 yards. When I get the ball and I'm out there and I'm, I'm running on the field, I get the first play and I get to the huddle. I look up. I'm like, man, that's a long way to go. And that's a really good do you, defense. Do you know what the most important play in football is? The punt? It is. It's the only no, it's play not. that averages 35 to 45 yards per that's play. Can anybody in here argue with me there? It's the only play that averages 35 to 45 yards of field position change per play. Now, it may only happen four times what a game. What do you game. consider the kickoff? The kickoff, it always goes out of bounds. No, the kickoff is a on, huge man. difference. But I'm just going to throw it out there right two now. really good punters here. Cam Nislick, the graduate transfer from Columbia, kicking for the Bulldogs, and J.K. Scott, who's had a fantastic career, but not the kind of senior season I think he wanted to have for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I like Cam. His statistics prove it. The dude has had a fantastic game. You were at the Rose Bowl. He was looking like me out there. He was. He was bombing no, out No, you're there. prettier than him. Don't Thank worry you. about that. Thank you. That's yeah, you what got matters him. most. If this game comes down to the kicking game, and I'm not biased because I'm looking at the statistics, Georgia has the edge, and there's no doubt about it. So I hope that's what it comes down to, and it probably will. If I think it comes down to the kicking game. I think it, it, obviously any game – Turnovers. Yeah. And both teams have done a tremendous job. Alabama doesn't get the ball up. For sure. And we I remember you earlier in the season had a funny little 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 joke about this one. I, I don't think it's true. I think if you are severely punished, if you fumble the ball or throw an interception, I think Saban Did I say something that? you're you're in the pit of misery. Oh yeah. If you I said turn if, the ball over. Yeah, if Guarantee you turn the ball if you if you fumble like as a running back with Saban, back. they've it's got just, like uh to. they've got these big shears and they just start Cut just, your fingers off it's on off the sideline right in Alabama. It's I crazy. Think, yeah, but hey, look at Georgia this year. They're not turning the ball over. And and, and just going to go to Jake Fromm a little bit right now, that's the one thing I love about this kid. He doesn't turn the football over. And I know the offense, it's not the most complex thing out there. They're going to run right. They're going to run left. I swear they throw 20 hitches a game. These these corners are just just dying just to jump a hitch. Oklahoma, was, Oklahoma almost jumped a couple hitches, almost had an opportunity for pick sixes in that game uh, out in the Rose Bowl. But – he does a good job. He's on time. He's accurate. He trusts his guys. He understands he has some really good receivers, some good tight ends, some good running backs. And the thing that I love most, going back to the Rose Bowl that he did, he got through his reads extremely fast. He was one, two, three, boom, checking down to yeah. our running back. And, and it, two completely different quarterbacks. J Jalen Hurts is a kid who goes one, okay, now I'm going to run now. Yeah. But he has the wheels. Jake Fromm doesn't have the wheels. I think that dynamic of having a mobile quarterback – I think that's going to give Georgia some problems because I can't tell you 
When's the last time we faced a guy? I mean, Baker I mean, can Baker, move, yeah, but yeah. he's not moving like Jalen Hurts, though. No, he certainly he's isn't. And, and I'll give everybody in this room $100 look, every time Jalen Hurts rolls to his left. It never, ever happens. He's going to roll out. He's going to get a snap, right? Shotgun or under center. If it's not there, he's going to the well, right side. look what Deshaun Watson did to and Alabama Watson last year, and that was Kirby Smart's defense. Yes. And I'm not saying... He is anywhere near Deshaun Watson type. I mean, Deshaun is, is a special passer. He's a special runner. But Jalen Hurts can hurt you running the football. If he you actually, do, if he's you a running back first. He is a running back. No, he's a, he's a passer. If my number one's not open, boom, I'm done. I'm running. So he's a great runner. You're going to have to have a guy spying for him. It's just it, it's, it creates such problems for them defensively. And like I alluded to, Deshaun Watson and Clemson last year destroyed Kirby Smart's defense. They did. Is there a cha- Are we witnessing a changing of the guard? I mean, is there a changing of the tide, no pun intended? If Kirby wins this game, is Nick, I mean, what's Nick Saban going to do? Is he coming back? Guy's well, old. He's going to take over for uh, your boy, John Gruden, and start calling some <laughs> games, maybe. But seriously, no, I, I honestly, it, win I or think, lose, this is not a conspiracy theory, which I'm prone to do. Win or lose, what more does Nick Saban have to do? He has nothing to prove. I mean, the, the man has done everything you could possibly want. Probably the best, if not one of the top two best coaches of all time in college football history. But I, I do agree. I think the tide is starting to shift a little bit. You see the recruiting, recruiting. You see the excitement. If I'm a recruit, and, and we try not to be too biased here in the pun pass, it's but tough just, sometimes. Now we can tell you exactly how it's happening. But, but if I'm a recruit, and I'm, if, I'm, if I'm getting recruited by all these top schools, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Obviously, how good's the team? How good's the coach? How good's the facility? Every mom's going to say, how good's the academics? Where's the nearest airport? Yeah. If I'm going to the University of Georgia, great academics, great facility, great football team. Great downtown. Great downtown. There's nowhere like Athens, Georgia. I, forget, no I don't know why that's not number one on the list. <laughs> great downtown, beautiful campus. You're an hour and 15 minutes away from Atlanta, Georgia. I just I don't know what, what more you could possibly want. If you want to go academics, you go to Vanderbilt. Florida has great academics, but you're in Gainesville. There's nothing in Gainesville. No. Smells down there, it's, too. It's awful. It's smelly. It's hot. It's muggy. I think Georgia crosses everything off, and now I think they have the excitement right now. Yes, that's they what They got the juice. Is. It's flying. I think, I think you're going to continue seeing high-powered recruiting classes year in and year out. And, the, and I, I do. I think win or loss, I think the tide's changing. I don't think you have to win if you're Georgia in order to completely say we're here to stay for a long, long time. This, I'm just throwing something up against the wall right here, seeing if it sticks. Win or lose, the save and return next year. This may sound crazy, but you could become a prophet right now, win or lose. Yes or no? I think he comes back. Okay, I, he'll be back. What else is he going to do? No, I, I you're hey, asking he, the wrong If it was guy. last year and then, and then obviously the special election was going on, maybe he would retire then run for you know, office. Yeah, maybe he would run for office. But right now, maybe he'll run for governor one day. But he's going to lose half the votes in the state because Auburn fans are going to vote for him. As objective as possible, let me just tell you exactly what's happening in these recruiting battles, right, and why these five stars are coming to Georgia. Because they sit in a room with Kirby Smart at the Buttsmere. They see the brand-new indoor facility, and Kirby's energetic. Guys are buying into the program. There's a lot of good they stuff going younger, on at they Georgia. They see a right? younger So Kirby says, hey, Nick come Saban. on, come, come, join me. come join me, man. We need you. We need you. We got something special. We're going to win national championships. You know and let me tell you money, what Nick Saban's money, doing. Ooh. Nick Saban's doing this. Uh, hey, uh, you, you, hey, you can come here uh, three or four years, uh, national championship, SC championship, and then go to the NFL. Eat his little Debbie cake, drink his coffee. He's so cool. Get in his Mercedes. That's a, it's a business plan 
versus excitement, right? Are you going to go sign with the CEO who says, if you play well, you'll start, and if you don't, you're going to ride the bench? It's or proven, though. Come get in this locker room. Kids are still going to sign. It's a pr- they're a proven winner. Yes. They know what they're signing up for. They're signing up for the ability to go in there and play under one of the best coaches. And let's not throw in Alabama some of the best facilities, too. There's, oh pl- there's plenty of money out there donating to Alabama year in and year out. They're getting plenty of money from all these big-time games. So... They got money to spend. They got plenty of coaches helping these kids out, some of the best in the country. So it's 1A versus 1B. It's 1A versus 1B. It, it's what place can you party a little bit better? All right. I mean, full disclosure, as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, my wife graduated from Alabama. So uh, tough, it, times, tough times in the Butler household right the now. Winner, the winner gets to pick the name of the Yeah, child. winner has full baby naming rights. So Oof. they can name it whatever. And if Georgia wins, it's going to be Sony Roquan Butler. And she's a girl. So <laughs> that will be... Perfect. Did anybody see? I put it out on Twitter today. Did anybody see the video of Alabama strength coach bashing the second place trophy last year on the ground? Did anybody see this? All right. So what happened is Alabama strength coach Scott Cochran. This guy's so awesome. He's 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 a hype master. He's so cool. He takes the (laughs) 2017 runner up college football playoff trophy and smashes it. In the locker room. I think it's a replica. It, it has to be. Aaron said he thinks it it's a replica. A replica. I, this was the most wild thing I've ever seen. I, I, I want to figure out what player put it on social media and know what his punishment is because he very well may not be in Atlanta right now. All right? No, it's, this it's, is such a bad look on Alabama. And, and it's so stupid of this coach. Like, Do you think that's going to hype up players and be like, Oh, second place isn't good enough and just smashed the I think trophy the, on I the I think ground? the only kids actually jumping on the trophy afterwards were those guys, like, on injured reserve. Yeah. I saw, like, a couple guys, like, in braces and, and like, crutches. I don't going think they there knew jo- what to do. They're like, the majority of the people were like, okay, cool. He's just one of those hype guys that you see on the sidelines and all the guys just kind of laugh at him. Like, this guy's way over the top right now. So You know, you know another thing that I, grinds- honestly, It reminds me of when Orson Charles went to Florida. Yes. Knocked over the net. I was on my way to Florida. We were going to get recruited at the time. We were heading into our senior year. I get a call from Orson. He goes, hey, I dropped the ball. I was like. Dropped the ball. I what said, this isn't a camp. We're just going to go visit. You don't, have to catch, <laughs> you don't have to catch for Urban Meyer. It's okay. He said, like, I dropped the ball, man. And uh, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I dropped the crystal ball. He bumped into it. He bumped on an into the visit, table. Unofficial visit. Unofficial visit. Bumped into the table. Knocked over a thirty thousand dollar. Remember the ball. old crystal ball, the yep. national championship trophy. Aaron's high school teammate on an unofficial My high school visit coach bumped kept into it and shattered it at Florida. Just shattered it. Shattered the actual national championship. So some trophy. lady came, swept it up, and just threw it away. <laughs> So my high school coach goes in there and takes a big piece of it out and brings it home with him. That's so he, pretty smart. He is a piece of whatever, 2008 National Championship or 2007, whenever they won it, he is a piece of the trophy. Oh, that's great. It's phenomenal. You know what really grinds my gears? And then we'll get to our – we're going to tease our predictions. I don't know if we'll give you our exact predictions because we still got a couple days till game day and you still have to tune in to the podcast. But you know what really grinds my gears? Driving around 485. Heck, uh, even up off McGinnis Ferry in, in, uh, in North Gwinnett. Alabama uh, advertisements. Have you guys seen these? Where legends are, where legends are made, where legends live, everywhere. I, I know Governor Nathan Deal. First off, Atlanta is not a city of just. I mean, people in Atlanta aren't just all from Georgia. Dude, it's very put the diverse. Fence up. I'm from Florida. Put for the goodness fence sake. up, right? I'm from Florida. That's okay. Nathan Deal, the a, governor. I have today. a Missouri license plate. I just got my. I got my Arizona license driver's plate. license. I think we're both we're both Florida, saying, Georgia the other day. That's illegal. You just got us both in trouble. I know. Hopefully, no I, I state troopers. I actually got pulled over for that the other day. I got to get changed. Soon. All right. So, 
Governor Nathan Deal on Friday signs a bill that says everybody's allowed to wear red and black. You listen to him. I listen to him. A lot of us here listen to him. Why wouldn't he, Road Dog, just say, for one day, no Alabama, where legends are made, alumni association advertisements. I just say, I don't like it, you know? If... I just don't like that. That's not happening in Alabama. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, but there's no no one in Georgia is going to go move to Alabama. Well, there's plenty of dog fans in Alabama. There's no where you're going to go move to Alabama. You know, these people are coming. They want to live in Atlanta. It's a great city to be in. Listen, just give me one day without seeing that A, man. It beat them. That's what if you want to see. Amen. If, if you want, if you're tired of seeing that A, beat them because right now they have they can wear it whenever they want. I got to deal with it day in and day out. You probably had to deal with it all the time in locker rooms too. These locker guys. Locker rooms in my house. Every, if you play with, if you play in the NFL with a guy that went to Alabama, they're oh wearing Alabama goodness. gear seventy-five percent of the time. There's no doubt. Every day you walk in there, they're wearing Alabama gear. Oh, sh- That's just the way it is. And you know it. what? They do it because they're champs and yeah. they win very often. Listen, if we win, I may wear Georgia stuff for the first two months of the year. There's no question. One hundred percent. All right, let's tease our predictions. It's Monday night, eight p.m. inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Alabama against Georgia for the college football national championship game. What is going to happen? How does this game go? The over-under is 44-and-a-half. Alabama is a a three-and-a-half point favorite. If I wasn't calling the game, I'm going under. Aaron says if he's not calling the game, he's going under under. 44-and-a-half. When's the last time I made a a prediction for over-under? You don't do it often? Oh, you said for the Memphis-UCF game. I said, I think it was about, a, I think, 88 80. points. 80 points. I said, you are crazy if you don't put a lot of money on the over. The game ended up being, I think, 110 points. Maybe even more than that. I, it was out of control. So I don't do it often when I suggest to people to go over or under. But when I do, I am right. So It's a stone cold lock under. of the week. Under. Stone cold. It's going to be a low. I almost gave the and score. You know what? I and, almost and, gave the score. We're and not you know yet. what? You also said under for the SEC championship game, and you were I dead did. on on that one. You got to think, it is a hostile environment. You have two of the best defenses in the country. You have an Alabama offense that has shown that it has not been – it's just – it's not a dynamic offense. And I, and I love the Georgia offense. I love the players. But it's not a dynamic offense that's going to go out there against a really, really good defense and put a ton of points on the board. Yeah. It's going to be – it's going to be more entertaining offensively than the Alabama-LSU championship game in 2011 when it was 9-6 or yeah. whatever it was. It's not going to be all field goals. We're going to get a touchdown here and there. But it's going to be low scoring. It's just, it's going to be fun. I, 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 the game the other day, the Georgia-Oklahoma game, I thought it was fun. But I thought, it, honestly, it was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> I, I don't want to see 50, 60-yard touchdown runs over and over and over and over again. I want to see, even this come from an offense guy. You want to see some punts? I want to see good defense. Okay. I want to see big-time tackles. I want to see an interception. I want to see a strip sack fumble. That, that makes it fun when you just see... It reminds me when I played high school football, we'd play these crappy high school teams, and we just call four verts. Just guys get wide and open. Guys are wide open. I'm throwing a 70-yard touchdown every other play. This is like, it's it's not it's like Madden. It's yeah. not it's not exciting football at the end of the day. I want to see a battle. I want to see it come down in the fourth quarter. Guys are getting knocked around left and right. It's going to come down to hopefully a field goal. Yeah. I know you hope it does. Yeah. But it's going to be low scoring. Take the under. It's going to be a bloodbath, man. These teams are hungry. They're angry. And they're two good defenses. And I just don't think either offense is dynamic enough to really trick each other. One of the things that upset, not upsets me, but just, again, kind of grinds my gears. And I know I've, 
I know it sounds like I'm bashing Alabama. No, I, I respect them. We watch Alabama every week in my house, and they are what they are. You have to beat them if you want to be better than them. But one of the things I don't understand is how Nick Saban and, like, Bill Belichick get the credit for saying, hey, we're going to take away your plan A. We're going to make you go to plan B. Let me tell you who's doing that. Every coach in America at any level, if, if you play Madden, like you just said, you want to take away that guy's plan A and force him into plan B. I don't know why Nick Saban gets credit for this, but Jim Chaney and Kirby Smart know exactly what Nick Saban is going to try to do on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, Nick Saban knows exactly what Kirby Smart's going to try to do on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to be a struggle. I like the under just like you do. If it comes down to a field goal, the kicking game, I said it earlier in the podcast, that falls into Georgia's favor. But turnovers, third down, and my thing is this. For Georgia to win the football game, they've got to be good on first down. The only game that they've lost this season was against Auburn, and they lost first down. Negative plays, zero yardage. Then they're forced into passing situations, and Auburn's defense, much like Alabama, is good enough to pounce. But even not even first down, but second down as well. If, if you get a one-yard gain or a no-yard gain on first down, don't be afraid to run the ball again. Yeah. Don't be afraid to get three or four yards on the ground, get it to third and six, third and seven. And, and, and what the problem with, with Auburn, when we played Auburn, they got in too many situations where they, they didn't get any yards on first down. They then go to the pass on second down. They don't get any yards on the pass. All of a sudden, it's third and 10, third, 11, third and 12. Jake Fromm's having to take a five-step drop in the pocket. He's 10, 11 yards deep in the pocket. In a noisy environment, so tough. you can't ask a, an offensive tackle to block a guy 11 yards down the field. You just can't do it. Commit to the run, something that I thought they got away from way too early last week from yeah, Oklahoma. they did. Commit to it. Be happy with two yards and a cloud of dust. Yeah. Okay. So All day long. I'm taking two yards and a cloud of dust, two yards and a cloud of dust, Third and five, third and six. Manageable. You get third it. Third manageable. You get it. It's a win. You don't get it. Punt the ball. Played field position. You're going to be fine. But you get in the third and ten. That's when you get strip sacks. That's when you get interceptions, when you're trying to force balls down the field. This defense is too good all over to try. Both defenses. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to talk about all, Georgia's offense here. Alabama has to do the same thing. They need to get in third and manageable because if they're going to try to win the football game, throwing the ball third and ten plus – it's not going to happen. No, just Jalen Hurts has proven that he yep. can't do that. Let me ask you this question. I think Georgia's averaging per rush right now six yards a carry, which is just insane, but Alabama's giving up like one and a half. If Georgia averages three yards per carry Monday night, do they win? How many yards per carry are they giving up? <sighs> That's a good question. A, I you got you to win, yeah. win all phases. It's the just going to be – it's like a boxing match. You got to hit one and then serve if, one if, back. If they're, if they're only getting three yards per game, but they're only giving up three yards per, per carry, Georgia, I think, wins based on special teams, like you alluded to. But if they can't find a way to stop Jalen Hurts from running the football, I think his legs is going to be Alabama's key. Yeah. It has to be because he's proven he can't pass the ball. But if he's able to get a couple sneaky first downs, and it's something that – uh, that Auburn's quarterback was able to do versus Alabama. Get some sneaky third and four, third and fives. All of a sudden, you're extending the drive. The defense thought they had you. They covered everyone. All of a sudden, you turn around, the quarterback has a first down. Mm-hmm. Damn it, we had to go back out there. We had to keep going. And then you get worn down a little bit. So stopping him is Georgia's key. <laughs> Stop him. Just don't let him run. Make him sit in the pocket. Make him throw. I'm going to bring edge pressure off the right side like you alluded to. He doesn't like rolling left. And just rope can match him anywhere. They've seen it. 
match Roquan, bring some pressure off the right side, or bring pressure up the middle. I think they do a better job when they bring that Mike linebacker and Wool linebacker on either side of the center. Yeah. Bring both of them. Jalen is not a big quarterback. And like we said with Baker, the worst thing for a small quarterback, myself, Baker, Jalen, <laughs> we're not 6'4", we're not 6'5". If you're able to push that center back in our face, we can't see we're a 6'5 guy. We like it when there's pressure around us because you can step up in the pocket, you can maneuver around those guys, you still have clear throwing lanes down the field. But if you have pressure in your face, there's nothing you can do. There's just not. You can't see. All valid points. Then you got to get out of the pocket. You would know best. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a fantastic game on Monday night. Uh, again, w- what a time to be in Atlanta. What a time for college football. An awesome weekend ahead. Do you want to tease your prediction? we got to wrap it up here. Do you want to tease your prediction? Anything you think? I, I, I mean, think, are you still on the it's edge? A, it's going to be low. Okay. It, it's still a lot of research to be done, yeah. seeing what the guys are going to be ready to rock and roll. But right now, I definitely know I'm taking the under. Okay. It's just plain and simple. It's going to be great defensive football, I know. man. I'm pumped up. It's going to be fantastic. Well, everybody that's here, again, we've done this podcast live from Sweetwater Brewery. It's been a bunch of fun. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. This was very, very cool. We're going to throw it at the end of the show to an interview that we have with Danny Cannell. So big thanks to Danny for coming on. There will be another podcast out tomorrow with special guest Laura Rutledge from the SEC Network and the Paul Feinbaum Show on ESPN. And then Sunday, you can come see us. We'll be at Big Sky in Buckhead. We're doing brunch there at 1230. So we will be at Big Sky on Sunday. That will be awesome. We'll turn up and start getting ready for this big-time game. I'll tease my prediction right now. Kicking game. Kicking game. Kicking game. And I mentioned exactly what I think about that earlier in the podcast. But to Sweetwater, thank you so much for being our gracious host. Tucker, you're the best. To everybody here tonight. Thank you so much for showing up. Get at us on iTunes. Get at us on SoundCloud. At Punt and Pass. Aaron's at Aaron Murray 11. I'm at Drew Butler 13. Anything on the way out, man? Let's go drink some beer. Let's go drink some beer, man. The weekend. I know. It's, it's Friday. Here. It's Perfect. Friday night. Let's get ready to rock and roll. Road Dog Adam Gillespie. Thanks for the help, my man. And to everybody, we will talk to you tomorrow. See you. All right, we're going to welcome in our first guest this week. It is none other than Danny Cannell, college football analyst and host of the podcast Off the Bench with Cannell and Bell. Danny hosts it alongside his co-host, Raja Bell. And you can also hear Danny daily on SiriusXM Channel 84 from 1 to 4 p.m. on his show Playbook. Danny, I was Twitter DMing your producer last week, and I had to say, if two SEC teams made it into the national championship and your head didn't explode, we had to have you on the Punt and Pass podcast. So we really appreciate that your head is intact and that you're here with us today. Appreciate your time, man. I don't know. It was close. It was close as it was all playing out because uh, it drives me nuts. And it's funny because, first of all, if you guys are trying to get listeners to your podcast, <laughs> a couple of former Bulldogs, like maybe they'll hate listen. Maybe that'll be what gets people to listen in. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I have a lot of SEC uh, friends that once they know me, they kind of they start to like me after they know me. And I know I can be extremely uh, unlikable on Twitter, especially if you're a fan of the SEC. The thing that I, I think that gets misportrayed from me is I don't hate the SEC. It just happens that the SEC is the biggest beneficiary of the system that we're in. Like last year, I did not want to see Ohio State and Penn State get into the 
stuff. And I said it's the same exact, just as loud, and made just as much as you think about it. And fortunately, we didn't have to see it happen because I think it would have been bad for college football. And that's right where we are again this year. So it's not, it really isn't anything against the SEC. It's really just my problem with the system that we're in. I understand your point. And Danny, personally, I've been a big fan for a couple of years now since you've been on ESPN radio and now with your new gig at Sirius and helping out at FS1. But you're consistent. You said, and you keep saying that you think the college football playoff system is flawed and you call the playoffs a farce that is rigged towards the elites. I know SEC fans and your New Year's resolution this year was to be more likable on Twitter. I bet your Twitter mentions were absolutely blowing up on New Year's Day. But speak a little bit more about that, because I don't think necessarily that the playoffs should be expanded. Um, But I heard today that the CBS Sports president said he thinks it will be expanded by the before the contract runs up that they're currently in. Well, that'd be fantastic if it was true. I would love that. I mean, the thing I feel like with when I say it's built for the elites, it's because a team like UCF does not even sniff the table and they never will. There won't ever be a group of five team that will play under the current format that we have. So that would be my first kind of beef with why it's just set up for the power five teams. Like it's very exclusive and it's sort of a joke that we think it's cute because we give them a, a chance to, in the new year's six bowl to play Auburn and credit to UCF for winning that game. But it's almost like, here you go, guys. Nice season. Here's your little consolation prize. I would love to see them get a chance to prove their worth on the biggest stage, to have that opportunity. And I don't, I don't get what the big deal is if they do get in. Like, what if they're the eighth seed and they have to play Bama in the first round? If they're not that great, they'll get blown out and they'll lose and they'll go home and you can move on. Um, the other problem I have with is this there does seem there's a lot of reputation that gets involved. And this isn't only exclusive to Alabama. I think it absolutely happens with Ohio state. That was one of my biggest problems last year. I thought Ohio state got in because of their recent history of success where Penn state was uh, a little bit more recently. They've been a mess. So they didn't put them in the playoff. Like if you would have flipped uniforms last year and had Ohio state had beaten Penn state in the regular season, and had won the big 10, there's no chance Ohio state would have been left out because I think it's a very real human influence that says, Oh, this team is good recently. So let's give them the most benefit of the doubt. And that's where like with Wisconsin this year, the conversation around Wisconsin, which drove me nuts was that they don't play anybody. They haven't played anybody. Their schedule's so weak. And they were, there was very serious conversation on ESPN and other avenues where they were saying, should they make the playoff if they run the table? And I thought that was absolutely asinine, especially when you looked at Bama's schedule, which was just as weak, especially after Florida State season started to implode. And yet that same conversation never was even asked about Alabama. I think it's asinine to suggest any Power 5 team that runs the table is left out of the playoff. So it's just, there's a bunch of little inconsistencies that I see. And I just think it would be better if we had five conference champions three wild cards, then that way, if you do have a team like Bama, put them in, but make them a, a, a wild card, have them seated at five, six, seven, wherever you want to put them, give them an opportunity, but there should be some penalty for not winning your conference. And that's where I feel like Alabama actually had an advantage this season. They got to sit at home while everybody else is putting their bodies on the line. Alabama was getting healthy, which really like was their biggest asset. Cause they got hurt down the stretch they were able to sit at home and get healthy and start prepping for Clemson. Hey, Danny, it's Aaron here. And, and one of the things I, I do like about the playoffs and, and the excitement, I think with the four teams right now, 
it just makes the last two months of the season really, really exciting. There's a lot to talk about. I think that's what drives it. And that's one of the things I, I think will, the reason why it'll continue to be four teams is the fact that ESPN loves all the, the talk, the commotion, the radio shows, the TV shows. People are tuning in. People are having an opinion. If you get to an 18 playoff or, or even a 12 team playoff, you know who's going to get in. It's set. You're going to get one team from each conference. You're going to get a UCF and, and no one's going to be talking about it for two months leading up to it. It's just going to be expected. This and let's rock and roll. And, and then I just don't know those games, say UCF and Alabama. And, and I don't know how consistent a UCF team or a team from those conferences is going to be continually to be undefeated, to have a chance to make, make some noise in the playoffs, sell tickets, be able to travel, you know, get a UCF team. I don't know if they're going to travel, have enough big of a fan base to say, go to a Rose bowl or go to the Fiesta bowl, get that kind of thing rolling. So nothing's ever going to be perfect. In my opinion, it, there's always going to be flaws. Someone's always going to get screwed. Uh, I do agree with you though, with winning your conference. I think that is huge. I remember when we were going in, in uh, 2000, I believe 11, when we were playing LSU, Alabama was already set. They get to sit home, watch yep. the game. <laughs> They're in the national championship. LSU has to go play us. And then my thing was we lost two games that season. We lost to Boise State. We lost to South Carolina. And then we go on and win 10 games in a row. And I'm saying, listen, we, we have the longest win streak right now in college football besides LSU. If we beat LSU, we win the conference. We're Didn't technically the number one team in the SEC. We have 11 straight wins, yet we're not going to get a chance to go for a national championship where you had an Alabama, like you said, sitting at home, healing, feeling good, and they don't have to play for their conference championship. That's why I completely agree with you right there. I think you need to take that into consideration a little bit more at the end of the day. Yeah, the one person who controls all that as well, and I've been saying it all season long, is none other than Nick Saban. I mean, you talked about personal mm -hmm. influence inside that committee room. Danny, you cannot tell me that those people in there are not personally afraid to spite Nick Saban because the man <laughs> holds so much power. I firmly believe that, and you firmly believe in a couple other things that I have to ask you about right here. Do you still think Auburn was mm -hmm. the best team in the SEC this year? I think if you squared them all up again and had everybody healthy, I don't think there's enough. I think they would be. I think because I think they proved them when they were healthy 100%. They laid it down on Georgia when they were healthy, 100%. They significantly handled Alabama. Now, if you played them all over on a neutral site, would they win 10 out of 10? No, but I think they'd win 60% of the time. See, that's that's what I because I and I can say that because it's my opinion, and who knows if it's true. But that's another problem I have to the system. Anybody, anybody who sits back and says we got it right, and this is before the playoffs started, like when the selection committee goes here's our four and people are saying we got it right. You can't say that. Like it's all subjective. We think we got it For right. Sure. And yeah, if it plays out, they might be right, but there's no way you could tell me with certainty that Ohio state would get beat by both Georgia and Alabama. Like, yeah, they'd probably be favored and they'd probably be, they probably, you know, they might lose the game, but they didn't lose it in 2014 when they had to play Alabama in the sugar bowl either. Like, and when they were underdogs. So I just don't like the fact that there's, there's this conversation of, we know the way to go committee, we've got it right. I just don't think that. And so I think that's where I get away with saying, I think Auburn's the best team in the SEC because they played them both on the field and they beat them. Now, uh, Georgia, no doubt whooped them in the, in the championship game. But I think it was very clear that Auburn was gassed from those, that last stretch they had having to play Georgia, having to play Alabama, they were banged up. And I think that was pretty clear on the field. I would love to see, like, I'd rather see 
one of those rematches than Georgia, Alabama, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think Auburn would give the best chance to win. To your point about the SEC championship game, I'm personally worried about that for Georgia coming off those two huge wins against Auburn in the SEC championship, that dramatic win that you were at in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena last week. I mean, they're going to have to get up. I think the only thing that really levels the playing field is that they're jumping on a bus Friday to go to their hotel than having to travel again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my biggest question with right. you, if, if you if you want to expand, say, the playoffs and make it eight teams, make it 12 teams, would you ever consider getting rid of these conference games? Because really a lot of them, they don't mean much. They're not selling tickets. The prices are nothing. A lot of people aren't tuning in. Unless it's the SEC championship game, a lot of these are blowouts. And even the SEC championship game, Alabama for years, just whoop it up on Florida. So would you get rid <laughs> yep. of those, make it an 18 playoff, make it a 12 team playoff, maybe say we're going to take two from each conference. And then some of these smaller conferences, we're going to add two as well. I'd love to do anything, Aaron. Like I, I would, like, I'd be open to listening to any option. The only reason I'm such a proponent for the for the eight with the five conference champs and three wild cards, I think it's the easiest solution. Like it's like it's just easy to present that to the playoffs and, and the committee and the television companies and say, here you go, here's an option that looks better. But I do hear you. Like I would, I would, and I. If like I, I wish there were people that were smart enough that could all get in the same room and could really say what's best for college football because I totally agree with you like it is tough on fans to travel so if we have an 18 playoff why don't we have the first round played on home sites and have the seeding be important so that you keep the regular season valuable so that if you're an undefeated conference champ you might be the number one seed which means you get your first round played on your home campus um, same thing if you're the two seed three seed four seed you play those at home sites. Then you move into the bowl. I would I would be all for um, you know reworking the conference championship games or doing away with them altogether. Maybe I just there, there are so many inconsistencies and problems. I just don't know why we can't be smart enough to get it better. I mean the the biggest problem I have too is when we're trying to select teams based off paper resumes, eye test, all that crap. How do you do it when everybody does things differently? Like the Pac-12 plays a nine game conference schedule the yeah. sec and the acc don't like it's that's a huge advantage if usc schedules mercer instead of notre dame and gets a win they're in the playoff like they're 12-1 they're in the playoff but they didn't they face a really tough non-conference foe and they're they're out so i there's just there's a lot of issues and there are a lot of great solutions that's the only reason i go with the five plus three wild cards because i think it's the easiest like it's easiest to get done quickly but yeah, I'd be all open for, you know, totally reworking the system and blowing it up to try to get more opportunity for more teams to have a chance. Cause I think that would enhance the regular season. I think the best way to fix it is to have you, me and Aaron become the committee. That's probably Let's the smartest it. thing. I completely agree with that one. <laughs> hey, before we let you go, we you know need your prediction. That What's that? Be, that would be like, that would be like Republicans and Democrats <laughs> reaching across the aisle. Yes, like bipartisanship. And SEC guys, but we all want what's best for the for college football. Exactly. I don't know if I can say the same for the opposite side of the aisle in politics. Hey, before we let you go, uh, let's hear your prediction for Monday night, Alabama versus Georgia National Championship game. So I know you guys are Georgia guys. You probably have a lot of Georgia, Georgia faithful listeners. I will be rooting for Georgia because I would love to see somebody new ho hoisting up that trophy. I would love to see uh, Kirby Smart. I love the story of the Bulldogs this year. I've always been a fan of Georgia going back to when Mark Rick took over there and watching Aaron come with you guys watch come a half yard from, you know, getting to the championship game. But 
I look at the formula, and this is what pisses me off at myself. I'm really pissed off that I picked Clemson, and I was wavering late in the the process. Like before the game, I almost switched it, and I was like, oh, I don't like people that flip flops, and they can accuse you of taking both sides. But I feel like there is a formula to beating Alabama. And if you have it, you have a chance. It doesn't mean it's guaranteed. And I don't know if Georgia has that formula. Cause I think the formula is you have to go up tempo to try to neutralize some of their substitutions and their significant size and speed advantage. I feel you have to go with a quarterback that's mobile, but is also an elite passer. And I think Jake Fromm is close. To, I think he could be an elite passer. We haven't seen him yet. He played incredible and some huge throws in that fourth quarter of the Rose Bowl. But I just feel like if you're going to line up and do what Georgia has done most of the season, which is run the football really effectively and limit your exposure to your quarterback, I don't think, I think you're playing right to Alabama's strength. Like I think that's running into a brick wall and as great as these running backs are and as much success as they had, and they might have some success. I just feel like it could be a really tough spot for Georgia to be in and defensive. I think it'll be a typical sec like slugfest. I think it could be ugly defensive battle, but that again, that plays right into Alabama's hand. They play best when it's kind of ugly and they wait for the other team to make the mistake and then they close it out late. And I kind of feel that's what's going to happen in the game. So I'll pick Alabama. All oh, valid points. my track record in the playoffs and then you're, you're golden. Like I there you go in the playoffs. So you should feel really good. All valid points. Hey, one more thing before we let you go. Uh, the year was 2004, I think. It was my sophomore year homecoming dance. I wore a turtleneck uh-huh. to the dance. I took a lot of heat, uh, and my date was my now wife. So I know you took a lot of heat when See? you wore the turtleneck. I want to say thank you for uh, standing up. I'll send you a picture on Twitter. You can let me know what you think. Does that sound good? That sounds great. And by far, always, it's the dudes that hate on it, but the dudes don't matter. It's the ladies. Exactly the ladies right. like it, I'll keep wearing it, and I'm glad it worked out for you. My man, appreciate your time, Danny. Thanks for <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, and maybe we'll see you this weekend in Atlanta. You got it, fellas. Love to see you. See you, Danny. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Great talking to you. We'll see you.